Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At homethreads.com, Discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Disneyland really hit home with those sweets that people at that time in the 50s didn't really eat like snacks and treats like we do these days. It was a lot more staples in their lives. So being able to go to a theme park and have a churro was really indulgent and really special. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Guys, today we're so excited. We're going to be talking with Disney food and drink expert Ashley Kraft about how to recreate that Disney magic at home. But before we dive in, this is your weekly reminder that we have the best community on the internet and we think you really need to be a part of it. Yes, it is the very best place on the internet. There's a free area that absolutely anyone can join with just an email address. And then there's a supporting membership which gives you more access to recipe ideas, private Q&As with both of us, as well as exclusive episodes every month and a quarterly cocktail hour with a huge giveaway. And hey guys, if you can't join our community right now or it's too much to become a supporting member, not a big deal. You can always support Didn't I Just Feed You just by leaving a few stars. I'd recommend four or five at least. I'm going to go hard for five. Okay, hard five. <laughs> hard five, hard five. That's what I meant. I was trying not yes. to be pushy. Um, and a review would be amazing. Hey, those reviews have been rolling in recently and it's and been so making good. us so happy again. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Lastly, I wanted to add that if you're a new listener binging older episodes, a heads up that our old Facebook group no longer exists. The free Kajabi community is the best place to connect with us and ask us questions like, Stacey, what <laughs> are your feelings on Disney food and what is your favorite Disney food? I love Disney. And it's funny. Sometimes I tell people that maybe you need to, I don't know, know me in person. It's, it'd be interesting to me to hear from our listeners Based on what they know of me just through the podcast, if it would be surprising that I'm that I love Disney World. I don't I know. I feel like it's not People but I also know you say, yes. They're like, what really? I love it. I think it's magical. It's so uh maximalist. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. <laughs> right. And it's just like 
everything is beautifully like everything in the parks is beautifully and thoughtfully designed there's so much of it that like it just makes so much sense to me that you love disney it's like a high theater experience yes. that you get to be a part of and i you know my dad used to take me we used to drive to florida we couldn't afford to fly so and my dad loved road trips so me and my brother and he was seven years older than me so like he was a teenager and i was like this excited like let's listen to the chipmunks on the cassette you know as we're driving down to florida i just have these great memories of going down there and it feeling so magical and then the first time that we took isaac Isaac is a very cerebral, logical person. He's not touchy-feely, like cuddly into magic. Like he's, whoop, he's like a straight arrow. And even when he was little, he was like that. And we spent three days at Disneyland and we were walking back to our hotel to break, take a break at one point. And little Isaac looked up at me and said, it really is magic here. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> It's That's a core it. memory I'm right done. there. That done. is a core memory. Yes. yes. So I love it. I think that the food, I've had great food experiences there. I did not know there was so much and that people were so fanatical about it. Our guest today, Ashley Craft, has two books. So she has the unofficial Disney Parks cookbook is her first book. Her most recent book is the unofficial Disney Parks drinks book, which is really fun. And we'll talk about why. And then she told us that she has an upcoming book all about Epcot food. And these are dense cookbooks. I mean, we're talking hundreds of pages with tons of recipes that range from like easy to simple from dinners to snacks. The drinks are like snacky, indulgent to just like fun blue milk, you know, related yes. to Star Wars. So there's tons of great stuff in them. I'm old school. I remember I feel like I was maybe introduced to churros at Disney and then Same. Dole Whip. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Those are my favorites. So what about you? What are your Disney memories and experiences? Okay. Hands down churro is like the Disney food experience that I like. I've never had a churro that lives up to that taste memory. Um, we would go we, we we lived in reno until i was eight i don't know if we've ever really talked about this i i knew that but we've never talked about it on the podcast <laughs> so it was really easy for us to do road trips to the california yeah disneyland park and i mostly went with my dad and his wife at the time who is my stepmom who i have like still a great relationship with but we would go with like all of her family like she has three sisters her mom and dad would go and we would travel in an RV. So that in oh and of itself God, is like yes. a whole Thanks. experience. But we would go, like we probably went three or four times in the time that we lived in Reno to Disneyland parks. And the thing I, the thing I remember the most is churros and like the haunted mansion. <gasps> like, yeah. Yeah. Like it scared the crap out of me. My dad was a little bit of a jokester and I think didn't always, like this makes him sound like he was like, there was a mean edge to his joking and there really, really wasn't. He was just like a funny jokey guy, but I think he just made the wrong call and he tricked me into going yeah. on that ride. And I was like, I tried to hightail it out through the back of, like I would try to run. My brother had to catch me. I was scared. Yes. <laughs> I think it was exactly that. And for some reason, my like churro memory and haunted man mansion are like tied together. <laughs> and I think it was like an unusually like rainy day. Mm. in my So it was already like spooky, foggy vibes. Yeah. So yeah, like I don't ever want to go to haunted mansion. I'm probably scarred for life from that. One of my favorites now. But also you mentioned character breakfast, which we did do on one of our trips where like you go early, you get to meet with the characters. I'm pretty sure I was obsessed with Beauty and the Beast at the time. And so we were getting to meet Belle and Beast. Uh, but uh, the I froze. I just choked. <laughs> I choked. I ruined the whole thing. I just like sat with my waffles. I think they were Mickey waffles and like stared at Belle. I mean, I think that's a perfectly reasonable like yes. reaction that I think is pretty common. So anybody who's thinking of planning a trip to Disney and if, especially if it's like that 
either that first time or this one once in a lifetime, definitely stay tuned because Ashley had a ton of tips about navigating food at all of the different parks. And she has some great tips specifically about character breakfasts. Yes. So I want to segue and say we had planned to go to Disney in January for Ella's birthday. And then we were all sick over the break. And so we're like, we're not going to do that, do Disney world yet. We're going to wait and go. And so I, I really loved Ashley's advice about going right now, but it led me like on this thing on Instagram where I just like started following Disney influencers, Disney lovers. And there's so much fun food. Like you could just go and spend the whole day eating at like the different snack places, the different 100%. table service restaurants, and make that your whole trip. Your whole trip. Yeah. yeah, food and roller coasters. Let's do it. Yes, but also anyone who's listening and is like, uh, Disney's not in the cards for me. My li- my kids are really little right now, or it's like not on the budget. We do get to talk to Ashley about utilizing her books and having fun Disney experiences at home too. So I think we should hear from Ashley. So as a child who grew up in Anaheim, California, Ashley Kraft could recite the Star Wars tour ride by heart. (laughs) That's how much she loved it. She could even navigate the park without a map. And she fell asleep to the sound of Disneyland fireworks each night in her bedroom. That's how close she lived. It's so magical. After two internships at Walt Disney World and many, many more visits to Disney parks, Ashley is now one of the leading experts of Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Her popular blog, Ashley Crafted, is best known for featuring recipes inspired by Disney park foods to help people recreate that Disney magic right in their own kitchens. And she's written two cookbooks that I already mentioned, but again, because we want you to grab them, they are so fun. The unofficial Disney parks drink recipe book is her latest and the unofficial Disney parks cookbook. Ashley lives in Kansas with her husband, Danny, and three kids, Elliot, Hazel, and Clifford, and their kitten... Figaro and their puppy Felix. Those are the cutest names ever. They're very Disney names. They're very Disney names, but she still makes time to visit the mouse. Like for real, you're going to hear about that. Welcome, Ashley. Okay, Ashley, why do you think that people are so crazy fanatical about Disney food and drinks? You know, I'm probably as surprised as anyone else to find out (laughs) that people are fanatical about Disney food and drinks. You know, I, I pitched this idea to my agent and my publisher, and they thought that it was a good idea and that it would probably sell a few thousand copies, but none of us knew the scope of the fandom that's out there. We just didn't understand the the true uh, like fanaticism. And, and so, I don't know. I, I honestly think that, you know, a lot of people love Disney. They go to Disney parks and enjoy themselves there. But uh, you have to eat like it's you You spend all day at these parks. Nobody goes there pre-lunch or post-lunch. Everybody's there all day. So they're going to have to eat something. Uh, most of the time, people don't pack stuff in. They just uh, eat there. And because of that, you know, visceral reaction to eating something, it really ties in heavily to your trip. And it's something that you can enjoy back home to remember that trip again. And it's interesting because... So I grew up in New Jersey and we have a Six Flags really close Uh to us. And so I grew up going to amusement parks. I love Disney. Um, And it's like one of my great sadnesses. I mean, obviously I'm being a little dramatic, but (laughs) that my kids aren't (laughs) super into rides. So they've been, they love it, but it's not like a place that they would go to necessarily over and over, whereas I would. But having grown up going to amusement parks, you kind of expect the food to be crappy, to be honest. Yes. And in Disney, I mean, there are definitely some misses, in my opinion. But, like, there's some good food in Disney. (laughs) There's some really fun, delicious food. And, like, the things like the churros that you go, you know, when you go back, you're so excited to get it. Or Dole Whip is my favorite. And I know a lot of people love Dole Whip. And Mm -hmm. that's really popular because it's rare. It's hard to find anywhere else. But do you feel like the food there is particularly high quality or is it a combination of being good quality plus this magical experience tying it all together for people? I think there's definitely a combination. I think that there has been levels of quality over time. 
So when Disneyland first opened in 1955, and you can read some of this in my book, some of the historical background of the parks and their food legacies. I love that part of your book. It's very helpful. (laughs) It was so fun fun to to learn about and to, to be able to share with everybody. But basically in 1955 at Disneyland, they had all the food sponsored by different food companies that would come in. And so they had like the Sunkist, uh, like orange juice bar. They had the chicken of the sea pirate ship. And so it was kind of just a, a way that they were selling products for different companies. And so that was, you know, you got what you got. It was whatever companies were going to step forward to work with you. That was the kind of food that you were going to be serving. And um, Disneyland really hit home with those sweets that people at that time in the 50s didn't really eat like snacks and treats like we do these days. It was a lot more staples in their lives. So being able to go to a theme park and have a churro was really indulgent and really special. Yeah. Um, And now I think that as we as Americans and humans have evolved to having more and more treats and snacks in special events, Disney has too. So instead of having something that might have been a simple pleasure then, it's a simple pleasure now, but that's much more elevated. They figured it out and they figured that they needed to do more than just give us Sunkist, which is a brand I yes. haven't heard in a million years. I know. Like, also, Chicken of the Sea. Of the yeah. Sea. Yeah. And I think there's something too, like I grew up going um, a couple of times to the Disneyland park in California. And I remember the churros, like that's so vivid in my memory, but I both Stacey and I saying that makes me feel like that ages us because probably like younger kids, younger people, and then kids like younger generations would have other different favorites at Disney. And so I'm curious, like as a person who loves Disney and has been observing the food for so long, is there something now where you feel like social media is really in and those like viral food trends is influencing what Disney is putting in parks right now? 100%. You can see that anytime there are especially like seasonal or uh, like short term offerings, they are so Instagrammable. Everything has bright colors, like crazy shapes. They're using fondant like pieces and anything that they can use to just make this be irresistible to post on social media because they're getting free advertising from that. So why wouldn't they do it? And at the same time, they're also having amazing flavor combinations. So it's not just, okay, this was pretty, but I hated it. It's like, this was this was pretty and it was delicious and I know it's going to come back next Halloween or whatever. So I want to be here next Halloween to taste it again. Yes. Okay. Speaking of like seasonality and parks, because I mentioned that Disneyland is the one I'm most familiar with and I have not yet taken my kids who are seven and 10, but it's like on our list for this year. Is there one park that is better to eat at than any other or one area of one of the parks that's like, if you're going to plan a trip just around food, go here. I would say that the the great food is pretty well spread throughout the six U.S. parks. But I would say that the newer lands within the parks will have the better food. So if you are like, okay, I need to find something to eat. Should I eat in Tomorrowland, or should I eat in New Fantasyland? You would choose New Fantasyland. Like, I would say that the best food for me is in Pandora at Animal Kingdom, which it opened in 2017. Also, Star Wars Land from 2019. I'm dying to go to Star Wars Land. Yes, the food there <laughs> is so good. Just really fresh, bright food. You know, they've also determined that people don't want heavy stuff. Like, yeah. I love the Felucian garden salad that they have. Um, I love the uh, hummus and they just have falafel and all these like really yummy bites that are something lighter that can also carry you throughout the day. So yeah, if you're if you're looking for food, the easiest way to do that is to be like, which is the the newest land in this park that'll have the best food. Now, Disney just released a new app to help with like the ride. I'm going to get it all wrong, Ashley. The line service. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it also includes uh, the ability to order food. Is that something that is helpful and people should plan to do that? Or how how do you tackle food when you go to the parks, like ordering and pickup? 
I definitely use mobile ordering. It is so helpful. It's, I really also recommend it if you have food sensitivities or allergies, or you have kids that are picky because it has all the ingredients listed on the app and usually you can customize it. So if you have a hard time, like if there's a huge line of people behind you and you walk up to the register and you're feeling a little uncomfortable about being like, what is in this? You know, I have a child who doesn't want to eat that. Then it's a lot easier to just click everything on the app and take your time and then order it and, and pick it up. Usually the mobile order line is instant and usually the line to wait is long. So it's, it's definitely a benefit both in saving time and being able to look carefully at the menu. That's such a great tip. <laughs> What are your top five foods in any of the Disney parks? Is this like asking you to pick a child? Almost, <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> the fact that you've opened it up to all the parks makes it a little okay, easier. Okay, there's so. a way that you want to narrow it down. We're open to that. But we want okay. to know, like, what are the all-star dishes? Maybe I could do my six top and one yeah. per park. Great. Oh, okay. I love that. You know, this okay. is so serious to me. This is like everything. Right. And it can never change, Ashley. Once you say it, that's your top six forever. No, I'm going to forget kidding. about something and then I'm going to be like, oh man, I'm going to think about it at night. And yeah. Okay. So let's, let's go in order of opening. So uh, Disneyland Park, a lot of incredible stuff there. I would probably say my favorite bite is the Bengal beef skewers both because it's really yummy and flavorful. It's full of protein, so it can like get you going throughout the day. And it's very nostalgic from when I grew up in, in Southern California that we used to get that a lot. Okay, the next park is Magic Kingdom. I love, I'm going to put Dole Whip in Magic Kingdom because that's where it's most iconically served. So yeah, uh, a classic. I, yes, yeah. I love Dole Whip. I love Dole Whip floats. They're great because yes. you get the added pineapple juice. So it's very refreshing. Uh, okay, next park is Epcot. And Epcot has great stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a full Epcot book that is coming out this year. Oh, no so, way. We didn't yes. know that. So it's available for pre-order now, but it's coming out in June. So um, awesome. just congratulations. The, thank you so yeah. much. I finished writing that a while ago, but we're just in design and editing and stuff. So uh, very exciting. But basically my point is there's so much food. It has its own right. book. So it's incredible. That one really is hard to choose my own like baby. But as a kind of, uh, I, this is uh, an underdog, I would choose the um, caramel chocolate pineapple spear from Germany because it is very refreshing and sweet at the same time. Next is Hollywood Studios and Hollywood Studios. I love Star Wars Land. Very, very good. So uh, I would have to say the Ronto Wrap at um, Ronto Roasters, which is a pita that has pork and it has a sausage and uh, a coleslaw and a peppercorn sauce. Yum. Yes, it's very good. And uh, the recipe is in the book and it's yum yum. Awesome. I want that for dinner tonight. <laughs> I know. I make it all the time because it's it's really easy to make. You can also use like pre-made or pre-cut coleslaw. Yes. And so it doesn't have to be tricky. It's pretty fast to make. And it's also a conversation starter. You can be like, hey, this is from Star Wars land. Like, yes. isn't that cool? Like, do you like Star Wars? I'm wearing my Ahsoka Tano shirt for all you people who can't see me <laughs> right now. So, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan. But I love that because this really is, I mean, your books really are such a fun way to get kids in the kitchen with you and totally. also to encourage them to eat. I mean, there are like real recipes here that are great for dinner. I mean, that's, you just gave a great example. And to be able to say it's for Star Wars can be part of like a fun activity with your kids. It can also just be a nudge to eat dinner. Yes. <laughs> Which... We like, all need sometimes. Yes. yes. <laughs> Say this was cooked on a pod racing engine. So yeah, it's very <laughs> special. It has a delicious flavor. <laughs> okay, continuing on my food journey here. Next Two more. is Animal Kingdom. Uh, Animal Kingdom. I, I just keep saying everything is so good. I do love the stuff in Pandora, but I don't have um, my favorite meal is the protein bowls from Satuli's Canteen. But my favorite snack that is in the book is uh, the pulled pork barbecue nacho 
French fries, <laughs> which was a lot of words you wouldn't expect to go together in one um, dish, but it's very good. It's very shareable. So you can have everybody take big bites of it. And uh, it's located right in the middle of the park. So it's easy to get in and out of if you're just want a quick snack. And then lastly is California Adventure. I love the new food from Avengers Campus. Avengers Campus opened since the book came out. So I don't have any Avengers Campus recipes. Hopefully we can make a, a second edition at some point to add those. But uh, my favorite my favorite treat to have is the um, Pixar Parfait, which is a lemon Dole Whip with a blue raspberry slushy, And it is... Incredible. So <laughs> I did not know. Yeah. Has that been there for a while? It has. It's it's um from the adorable snowman, which <gasps> is by the Incredicoaster, just right when you ent- cross the bridge and enter Pixar Pier. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I'm so sad mm-hmm. that I didn't get that the last time I was there. I do feel it's like delicious. it's a little bit of a sleeper that people haven't heard of it. So gotta get the word out. It's so yum. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the fine dining at Disney? Because there's a surprising number of fine, at least I'm an East Coast girl. I've been to both Disneyland and Disney World. Disney World. There you go. But I'm more familiar with Disney World because it's right here. It's not too far from me. It's a short yeah. plane ride, thankfully. <laughs> but they have some great fine dining restaurants too there. Yes, they have incredible amounts of, they call them table service. So they have um, like snack carts and then they have quick service, which is like a fast food and then table service, which is where you would sit down and have servers come to you. And they are everywhere, like surprisingly, because they're kind of hidden. You have to, you usually have to get reservations very far in advance. They usually open them at about 180 days in advance. So it is crazy hard to get reservations But if you do happen to snag one, the food there is really incredible. And usually the theming is really over the top at a lot of these. Um, I want to speak to one of my favorites, which, again, is a little bit of a hidden gem. And usually you can find more reservations at it because of this. But it's called um, Skipper's Canteen. And it's across from the Jungle Cruise. And it's basically supposed to be like the place where the skippers hang out after work. So they have this vibe that... The people are just sort of hanging out and eating this food, but they have really good fish and um, they have some international dishes like Brazilian food Um, and they have different rooms that you can tour. They have a library and a study and then a cafeteria style room. So it's fun to get to just walk through and look at all the pictures on the walls and there's these hidden gems that you can look for. One of the first time that I went to a table service restaurant at Disney World, Oliver was maybe... I want to say like four at most, three and a half, four years old. And we scored this reservation. I think it was in the safari area of the park. I don't, I clearly don't have the names of the parks (laughs) down, but either way we sat down and I remember Mike and I were a little bit nervous to attempt to have like a sit down dinner with two small kids. And they immediately came up and gave Oliver and Isaac little bowls of goldfish. (laughs) They were like in these pretty little fine dining bowls. It was adorable. And the kids were immediately like, oh yeah, we're going to like it here. It was so fun and great. It was such a great touch. So I just want to say, you know, we did also like eat quickly and get up and get out. And like, we had to like walk all of her around in the middle of dinner. So it's not, but it's great because they're used to that. Yeah, you know, like these these restaurants are totally. made for to t- to have children there. So you shouldn't feel self conscious or worried that you know, oh, my kid's gonna make a scene. Everybody in there has kids, <laughs> and I I have kids too. Exactly. I have three kids, so I I feel the same way. Like I don't take them out to dinner when I'm at home. It's just it's too hard, and they're just too squirrely. But when you're at Disney, you feel like they're ready for this. They know, they know that kids are going to be jumpy and, and all that. And I love how they did that special touch with the goldfish. It was so great. And I, that was exactly what I was going to say. It was so fun to feel like we were having this adult meal that was actually great quality, but the kids were able to be there and we weren't self-conscious about it. Like they got what Mm -hmm. they needed and no one cared that Oliver needed to like get up every two seconds. (laughs) Yeah. 
This bubbles up a question that Stacey and I were talking about earlier, which is people are afraid to take their kids out to find dining restaurants in the outside of Disney World, in the real world. And maybe they're they're like less likely to expose their kids to international food or like you mentioned fish. Some of your favorites are things that like sound delicious to me, but I feel like my kids would not like. So mm. do you feel like Disney in general and Disney Park food, Disney Park's foods like expose a wider variety of Americans or eaters in general to new foods and new food experiences? Totally. I think that that is definitely part of the, even the like mission statement of Disney is to expose people to cultures from around the world. Obviously the world showcase at Epcot is the biggest example of that, but that actually goes out into all the parks and uh, even the resorts. My, my family and I, we dined at Boma, which is a restaurant at Animal Kingdom Lodge. We were just there um, about a month ago. So I felt like they, they had this huge, um, it was a buffet and it was a breakfast buffet, but they had African food that was available that, and it was like, I mean, I can't even remember, but they were serving like fish for breakfast and that's so different and unusual, but really cool to be able to learn, okay, well, why would these people eat fish for breakfast? Are they on a, on an area where fishing is the main source of income? Is that what they would eat every meal of the day? Or is it only a breakfast food? It opens up conversations to be able to have with your children while they're trying these new bites. And it's in a fun environment. So it's like yeah. even more encouraging of their curiosity. Right. And there's also other options. Obviously, there's the Mickey waffles, there's bacon. Yeah, so totally. they, don't, they don't have to feel threatened like they might at a, if you take the kids to a sub-Saharan African restaurant at home, they'd be like, I don't want to eat any of this. Like, this is scary. I, this, I, I'm like totally checked out. But if it's like, okay, well, you can have a Mickey waffle while you're eating a bite of breakfast fish, then they might be a little more inclined. Yes. So speaking of breakfast, let's just talk quickly before we play a little game with you about the character breakfasts. Okay. <laughs> because I remember that being my least favorite food experience mm -hmm. at Disney, but I still, to this day, my boys are 12 and 15, and I look at the photos of their Lilo and Stitch character interactions and there is literally pure joy on their faces. It was like the best thing ever. They have such great memories of it still. Yes. They are heinously expensive. Yes. Like scary expensive. <laughs> <laughs> We're a family of five. And so if you want to go to a character meal, it is pricey. So you really have to decide that that is... Uh, how you're going to use your money and that those memories are going to be worth it because if your kids aren't into that it's going to be a big sink yeah and some kids get scared and also some of those characters yes. you can see in the park and in some uh -huh. of them part of what made our experience great was for whatever reason i think lilo and stitch was the only one we could get into honestly so yeah. i guess at the time this is many many years ago it wasn't as popular so my kids actually were like up and dancing around and interacting with you know, Mickey in a Hawaiian shirt and Stitch, and they got this like prolonged interaction, but that's not the case at all of the character breakfasts. Is that right? Yeah. And, and actually since COVID it's been very different that yeah. they are not allowed to approach the tables at all. So I think it's gotten a little bit more lax since um, COVID has moved on a little bit that uh, I think that they get a, a little bit closer. They're not like from a distance that they used to be, but they yeah. still don't touch. So I do think that that was the benefit of doing the character meals was that you did get to actually like hug and have a moment with the characters. And so for me during COVID, when they have stepped back, I don't think it's as worth it because it's basically the same interaction you're going to get for free out yeah. in the park. Great. So I typically steer away from any um, buffets or prefix that has the set price because they're always really high. It's usually in the $60 range for adults Oof. and, um, you know, the $40 range for children. So that Oof. adds up very quickly. Yeah. Whereas, um, if you go to someplace that just has a regular menu, my family and I, we just like to order a little bit of each kind of course and then just share around the table so that we all get to try something new. So like we dined at uh, Liberty tree tavern, which is a, all you can eat family style 
food in Magic Kingdom. And I think the bill was seriously like $300. Like it was so expensive. And um, we loved the food, but it was a lot. And then um, the next day we went to Chefs de France in the France Pavilion at Epcot. And we just ordered like one French onion soup, one beef bourguignon and uh, a dessert of some kind. And we all just ate parts of it and they serve you bread as well. And I think it was like 40 bucks or something. Like it was it was Ooh, almost the same yeah, amount of like, yeah, it was like the same amount of respite from the park. Like it's, I love, love, love doing table service dining because you get a set seat to sit down and sit in air conditioning for a little bit. So I always recommend you do table service, but try to take a look at the menu and see if it's a pick your own food or if it's a buffet or family style, because the pricing is going to be majorly different. Those are great tips. I'm wondering if, especially since you've been to the parks recently, if you just really quickly have any tips for families who are planning to go or maybe like some observations if people are concerned like about COVID precautions. I've heard from people who go pretty often that actually it's like a great time to go to Disney parks. Like there are fewer people. Everyone's really great about Matt, like the the COVID protocol, and it feels like very safe and just as enjoyable. Like it's still worth the money. Would you agree or disagree with that? So I have been going a lot in the last couple of years because I've been writing books constantly. So I go about every other month. Um, I'm actually going to be there this. I know. I'm, I'm like very jealous right now. I, I'm going to be there this weekend. So I, I just I purchased a house in Florida this fall. So I'm there all the time. <laughs> but it's. it's it's great. And I do think that things have gone a lot back to normal than they have been. So for a while there, I was not recommending anybody go to Disney who was making it a once in a lifetime type of trip. If you go frequently or if you wanted to yeah. do like an adult's trip, then it is a good time. If this was like your one trip with your children, again, things have really gone a lot back to normal. But if it was a few months ago, I would have said absolutely not because they had no characters, no shows, no mm. parades. That's kids' favorite stuff. Yeah. So for me, that's not. Like they've had the rides running all this time and they've had most of the food open. So that's my jam. Like I'm riding rides and eating food. I don't visit characters. So but my kids, that's their highlight. So if it's something that you've been waiting for, just wait a little bit longer. They just started reopening character um, experiences and they're restarting a lot of the shows now. So I do think that we're really close to having things back all the way open. And I do feel, I do think that they do a very good job of keeping it safe. They're very strict about wearing masks indoors. Mm -hmm. They do have people stationed outside of every building and ask everybody to put masks on so that they are not loosey goosey about it. They're serious about it. So if you're wondering, well, I, I bet people aren't doing it. They are doing it. They have to do it. Okay. So that's in, such great oh. advice. Yes. And I think Stacey and I are in the same vein. It's like those people who are waiting to go, um, we want to play a little game so that they might be able to have like some Disney experience at home. And also as a reason to go buy your books and pre-order your new book too, we're going to give you some movie titles and ask you for food pairings to go with them. Disney movies. Okay. Are you ready? You, okay. So this is, you're watching the movie and you're going to eat something from yeah. my book. Is that? Or if like, cause I, um, the first one up is Encanto. And so maybe you don't have food, like, a recipe that goes with that yet, but maybe you could suggest food pairings for okay. it. And then for the other ones, yes, I think you'll be able to pull stuff from your books to pair it. Great. Are you ready? Yeah, Jumping okay. off with Encanto, do you have ideas of fun food pairings? Could be dinner, could be just snack things, could be a fun treat. So I do have, um, you know, my Epcot book is coming out. And while I don't have Colombian food. Uh, there is Mexican food, which has a lot of crossover. So my favorite Mexican dish from the book is queso fundito. And it's this really yummy white cheese and chorizo dip that you eat with tortillas instead of chips. So I think that would be really fun to serve while watching the movie. I love that. I love queso. I also, love it's it very easy to make, which yes. is really nice. It's yes. not like no, just put um, it in a Tex Mex. Yes, yeah. it's not like Tex Mex queso where there's mm -hmm. like a lot of building a roux and stirring and all that. Right. No. 
Okay, Stacey, what is your boy's favorite movie that you would ask? I know they're kind of grown. No, they actually, the movie that I'm going to mention is a movie that we just watched over Christmas break again, even with Isaac. Isaac loves a lot of Disney movies, but their absolute favorite is Aladdin. Love it. Just saw that uh, musical on Broadway in October. So love it, love it, love it. Um, so from my uh, Epcot book that's coming out, there's a Morocco chapter, which has Arabian style food, and there's a recipe for hummus fries. And Ooh. I love it. It's really good. It basically tastes like hummus. Just it, you can, it's not really a fry. It's kind of more like a, like a log, <laughs> yeah. but they call it, they call it that anyway, but it's very good. I, I think that would be a good pairing for Aladdin. And also I feel like that becomes that's what's so great about the recipes in your books is that so many of them are recipes that you can say, this is from Star Wars, or let's do this while we're watching this movie. And then they can yeah. become regulars in your rotation because hummus fries, like, of course, kids are going to want that all the time. I want it all the yeah. time already. I know. Yeah. I'm like, I want that I right know. now. Okay. So <laughs> Megan, you asked yes. about our favorite Disney movie here in Brooklyn. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, what Disney movie is on heavy rotation and you want a food pairing? I'm very torn because Ella was like one of those kids who fell immediately in love with Frozen. Like we had a whole season of her as a toddler where we couldn't start the day without watching the Let It Go video on YouTube. Like to start the day. So, cute. <laughs> so I'm like, should I ask about that? But more recently we've, which is like Disney Pixar, we've been, wa- we've watched Soul a lot. Like we watched it last Christmas when it came out. We watched it again over the Christmas break. And actually that might be a more fun food pairing. So Ashley, what would you serve with Soul? Well, Soul, I feel like just, it lends itself to pizza. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, talk about, they talk about how pizza is like the turning point of of a visceral human re- like yeah. experience. Yes, so. hot, hot cheese and bread. That's <laughs> right. How could you not? We honestly, so yes. I would, I would serve pizza. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Ashley, what are like your three kids? Is there one movie that's like a family favorite that you would pick to watch and pair food with at home? Let's think. We are really into. Um, Star Wars, and we have been watching Book of Boba Fett since that's the latest Disney Plus. I know that's not a movie, but um, along the same lines. And uh, I do think it's fun to have the Galaxy's Edge Star Wars land foods while you watch these. It feels like you're very in universe. So I love that. Uh, We've got the Ronto wraps in the book, as well as blue and green milk, which are very fun to have. And the kids love to indulge in that. I also, as a little tip, if you want to, you know, I have a drinks book. I haven't really been mentioning it as much, but um the drinks book has a ton of Star Wars recipes in it as well. And a way that you can immediately elevate a drink to make it more fun for yourself or for kids is to put it in a really fun cup. And that especially is true for Star Wars, because you can imagine the type of glassware that they would have in another galaxy would be really fun and exciting. So a cool tip is to go to a thrift store and look through the glasses that they have there and just have a mindset like what would Boba Fett be drinking out yes. of? Like what what kind of cup would he have on his throne? And grab some of those, bring them home, make some blue and green milk and put them in the glasses and just watch how fun your kids enjoy that. Yes, you're talking to two ladies who have been drinking their coffee out of Santa mugs for the last month. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're here for that tip. Yeah. Yeah. I also just love that. Like, I love that you mentioned the drink book because I know everyone's like so obsessed with Disney food, but especially for at home experiences, I think there's something so great about like just doing a special drink. Like you can have a regular dinner and then afterwards it's like you have a frozen Dole Whip or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like a lot um, lower effort, maybe for parents who are like, tired from the holiday season and just like living in the last two years. So um, absolutely such great, 
great advice. Ashley, this has been so fun. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's and great getting you, to know you ladies. Can you take us with you to Disney next time? I mean, why, <laughs> I, where, where's our ticket? Where's our I ticket, told you, I'm always there. I'm always there. I, I actually rent out my, uh, I bought a townhouse in the fall and I do rent it out on Airbnb and I've themed every room to different <gasps> attractions at Disney. So you know how obsessed I am with Disney and you know how how much of attention to detail I take. So just imagine how fun my place is. Yes. Yes. That's Can we awesome. link to your Airbnb in the show notes for anyone who might be curious and planning a trip? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yay. Awesome. We will do that along with all your books, including your upcoming book. Thank you. So Megan, I, you and I were having a conversation and I'm so glad you asked Ashley about introducing new foods because I know that Disney it is part of their mission. I mean, even with small world, like back in the fifties with this aspiration to explore different cultures and, and take a global view of the world, even though this is a very essentially American entity. And I really don't know enough about how we try to use, we try to avoid using the word authentic but right. I don't know how much like real research goes into thinking about the foods and the recipes and are the recipes being developed by people who were raised in and experienced the culture firsthand. I do know that one of our very, very first guests, Chef Jenny Dorsey, who I love so much, she came to talk to us about school lunches and her experience being a first generation Chinese American. She worked on the Avatar cookbook, the official one for Disney, and they worked really, really hard to make sure that they had someone developing recipes who had a deep personal cultural connection. And Jenny took that job really, really seriously. She kind of documented her experience doing the project on her Instagram I don't know. I don't really like have a question here. I just think it's interesting to think about the ways in which we introduce new cultures and new foods when they aren't our own and kind of being thoughtful about that. Because I think Disney can be a great stepping stone. But then where do you go from there? If your kid's like, oh, that African food was so delicious that we had at the Disney theme park. Like, now, how do we carry that through in our homes going beyond the Disney, Disneyfication? Is that yes. a word? Did I make yeah. it up? No. Of cultures. Yes. Well, one thing I think just what you said, like finding the people that they used as resources in the restaurant. I don't know how much of how much Disney discloses that on, you know, the, we were talking about with Ashley about the app and all the ingredients are listed, but like, is there any credit to those people who are cultural contributors? Is Wouldn't really that be so cool? It would be really cool. And I would honestly be super surprised if Disney didn't share that in some way, somewhere, even if it's like looking at the cookbooks and finding about who gets credit for like recipe development or recipe writing, and then looking to those people as experts, because even just what um, Asha was saying about like how they introduced food and they made things like a treat and how they continue to evolve the yeah. Disney like food system. It's hard to imagine that they don't like choose experts and then like give those experts their credit and their due. It made me it weirdly you talking about like the Disney food culture made me think of like the metaverse. Like Disney is the original oh, me metaverse. You're like you're going deep. into a different world. Yes. And they spend so much time and money and effort on research for the movies that it's hard to imagine that they aren't also doing that in the parks especially when it comes to food, because that seems like a prime marketing tool for them. It does. It also seems like it's a little bit new though. I mean, it does yes. seem like there is in the last, however many years, I want to say five, but I'm making that up, but it feels like recent Disney history. And guys, if any, if any of our listeners out there know and have any more concrete information about this, please share. Cause I, I could be wrong. This is just my personal sense based on very little research. But it does feel like it is a more recent thing to think about making sure, at least with the movies, that the writers, the producers, the actors are all coming from a place of knowledge that it just basically isn't a whole bunch of white Americans saying, 
let's do a movie based in Colombia, you know, and yeah. like share what we know of Colombian culture. Yes. You know, that there's like, it's, it goes deeper than that. And it'd be great to see the food go deeper than that, because I do think it can be a really accessible, easy way to get kids excited about different foods, you know, but beyond the cultural piece of it too, I think it's a great way to get picky eaters excited. Like when Ashley was describing that Ronto wrap that had slaw and sausage and pork, you know, that's a great easy meal. And if you have picky eaters that, you know, don't like salad, does, you know, putting a little bit of slaw in a pita wrap with some sausage, does that make the difference? And then saying, well, this is from Star Wars or imagine it in this context. I think that that's really fun. It just Disney gives you a nice way to like introduce something to kids in a way that they might be a little more open to. Yeah. And there's also that funny, it's all marketing, right? It's also like that funny thing where it's like, it's not a mom or dad recipe. Yes. It's a Disney recipe. Like, yeah. This came from Disneyland or Disney World, or this came from Aladdin, or this came from Star Wars. That is a nice opening to getting your kids to try different new foods and also just have fun at home. We're like still in the yes. middle of winter and I just want to be like cozy and watch movies and have it feel celebratory or as celebratory as like going to a movie used to feel or going to Disney would feel. I totally agree. So this is a very fun way to bring some food joy back home. I think it would be really fun to get into the listeners group and have people tell us their favorite Disney movies or their kids' favorite Disney movies and get some pairing ideas for them. Do you think you're up for that, Stacey? I love that. So if you haven't already joined us, join us for free at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. And if you want those bonus episodes and other goodies that we mentioned at the top of the episode, you can also join our supporting community. When you're in that supporting community, you also get access to the larger group where we're going to be asking people to share their favorite movies and we can pull some inspiration from Ashley's amazing books. Yes. You can also keep up with us on Instagram where we are at didn't I just feed you or by signing up for our weekly newsletter. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're already a subscriber, leave us a rating and review. Those don't only bring us joy, they also help other busy home cooks find us. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed. Until next week. What is something you would never eat? I would never eat fish. I don't like fish.